Hey, Laura. What? I've been given this box. <gasps> a box? Yeah, but not supposed to open it. Well, I mean, you probably shouldn't open it then. Probably shouldn't open it, but what if I just... I, I mean, maybe we don't open it. Maybe we just guess what's inside it. Well, I mean, if you want to open it, I ain't going to stop you, but, like, I'm not going to open it. I mean, Zeus gave me the box, and I'm like, if I just open the box, there might be something cool. There might, the... might be some, like, godly powers or something in there. Yeah, yeah, or it might be one of those, oh, no, you've unleashed the plagues and the what, like, ah, you thought you knew what evil was. No, you've unleashed super evil now. Super evil. Yeah, Evil 2, the sequel. Yeah, I'm going to risk it. <gasps> what? What's in? What was in the box? Some skits in here. <gasps> some skits. Some skits. Some skits. skits. There are some skits, and there's like some things we watched, Ooh. listened, <gasps> played with. Gosh. Oh, there's a couple of queer trans ladies. Oh goodness! You better get them out of the box. I'm on YouTube. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh yeah. <laughs> like a, like Tardis box magic. <laughs> That's a cool box. Yeah. Oh, what's this here at the bottom? Oh. Huh. What? I think it's concentrated silliness. That's a very dangerous thing to open. I, 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 I can see why they were afraid of opening the box. I got it caught in my nose. Oh, I got no. it caught oh. in my nose. Oh, no. I, have, I, is, I think I, I could go to the hospital, but I just silly now. Enjoy the concentrated silliness, my dear. Yeah. <laughs> Strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale, and I'm not Jane Eris Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that podcast where two queer trans ladies have a bit of a catch up and talk about our weeks and do some silly skits and voices and the such. How are you doing this week, Jane? Oh, all right. Yeah. The weather's been lovely. Oh, it has been. I I finished my work in reasonable time today. I I, I lay out in the sun in my hammock. Had a cider and some ice cream and a hammock. It was lovely. It was a wonderful day. Oh, goodness. It is very warm, though. It's made the... It's very warm! The office where I work is upstairs in our building, which means heat rises and this room cooks. Especially with this computer in here. It's a computer kicking out many heat. Many heat, many I've opened all the windows in the hopes that we can survive. And hopefully everything will be okay. All of the one window. All of the one window. It's quite a big window. It's not a tiny window. <laughs> anyway, we should probably start on the first topic of the show that we usually do as the first topic. What have you played this week, Jane? Have we played? Yeah. Well, I will be honest, I have been playing a lot of Factorio. Yeah, you you seem to have had like a bell curve where like you were enjoying it, and then you were like, mm, mm, I'm getting frustrated with it, and you've come back out the other side and like... Oh no, now I'm frustrated with it, but just hate playing it until I win. <laughs> Okay. I just want to see the end. Okay, so you've you you got you've. There was a period where you were enjoying it again, where you were like, ah, I've got all these things, and that may, means that I can sort of, uh, I've got all these tips to make it, and I'm enjoying it again. And are you now just like, I'm, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it right, and I'm gonna get through it. I'm on like my ninth replay. Um, I'm using a lot of of blueprints that I found online, and like it is still an absolute nightmare trying to get enough of everything. And, and manage all the things. Like, I've got currently got, like, enemies set mm. to almost nothing. Yeah. They don't evolve. There's no pollution. There's no reason that they should be coming anywhere near my base. 
but there's still other issues like, oh, all of a sudden, all of my coal's run out. All of my iron is starting mm. to run out. I can't produce enough copper. I need to upgrade all of these things. Yeah, so, like, here's, here's what it's looked like from the outside. Because I initially imagined from the outside that this game was going to be sort of like, you can play it just however you want and you will probably see the end and that the perfectionism was probably self-imposed. Like, a lot of realising... Ah, well, if I'd done this differently, it would be working better. I'm going to choose to restart. Whereas now it sounds more like, no, unless you're doing it the optimal way, you're not going to have enough resources to 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 do. Pretty much. Okay. Like you'll get to a point where you've you've bumbled through, and this is the problem I had with like my first couple. Like you, I've bumbled through. I could keep going, but things are so confusing now; it can never be fixed. Where did the cogs come from? I, I still don't, know where, the the I still don't know where the cogs came from. <laughs> um, like, and every time I get a little bit further along with it, yeah. Like, um, it helped that I found like a, a modular um, science development system. Mm. I was like, cool. I'm just gonna implement that with what I've already got, and and I've designed a whole new thing, and that's really cool. But I am just going. Well, I'm not getting enough of this thing, and I'm not getting enough of that thing. So I need to put this and that together, and I need to do this over here, and also I need to get loads and loads more resources. I keep having power outages. I realise that's because I've been trying to build ahead a little bit. Yeah, it it very much sounds like there are a million things that you couldn't possibly know to build for until the problems arise. It, it sounds like the kind of game that is impossible to do correctly the first time, and it's like, no, just do it again, do it again, do it again, yeah, do it again. Need, you either need to keep doing it until you get it right, or you need to just make furious notes. Yeah. That, like, there's there's not just websites with blueprints for how you can do something optimally. There's also places like, hey, do you want to know all the ratios? If you're making this, it's using this many of this, and it's taking this long. Does the so game this not is how much tell you... you that? It's it's in there, like it it will tell you certain things, but it will it it's not like simply laid out as it is on a lot of these. You ratio can't websites. tell at a glance. Not really. Yeah. If you were like, I want to design a thing, it'd be like, okay, well, I have to open my menu and look at the recipe for that, and it's like, okay, these take this long in this assembling unit. And then I need these, and then I need to be feeding it this way. So I need 25 copper per second to go on to this thing to make sure that each of these things is getting enough of that, that it will be outputting optimally. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It, it is a lot. Yeah. It seems... I'm going to be honest. It seems at a certain point, like... For you to continue playing this game, you have had to constantly have YouTube videos and tutorials and websites up. And, like, I know for me, my feeling at that point, like, I've had games where I've reached that point before and I've gone... I'm not playing yeah, this game. This I'm... game is being played by committee. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not playing this game. Someone is telling me to press the button so that... The, like, they're playing the game via me. They've given me instructions and I'm doing exactly as I'm told. Without really knowing why until after I've done it. and I kind of get the why. It's just like, I could sit here and fanny about and make this thing myself. Or I could just go, this person has designed this optimal unit that makes all of these things I need exactly yeah. how I need them in a really simple laid out way. Yeah. Why would I bother doing why it myself? Why would I spend 60 hours inventing this myself? Exactly. 60 hours in which it, I might suddenly 
run out of all the things I need and not progress to a point or might be attacked to death. Yeah. Because yeah, I'd not yeah. sort of worked enough of these things out myself mm. to, to make that possible. It's a lot. It's a lot. And like the, the, the game I'm playing at the moment, like, as I said, like the, the enemies are almost non-existent. Yeah. And I'm still constantly going, right, okay, I want to do this thing next. Oh, I can't do that. Now uh, Now I've got no sulfuric, sulfuric acid. Does, does <sighs> this game have, like, a firm ending? And if so, do you feel like you're close to it? Uh, it does have a firm ending. I could not tell you if I am close to it or not. Okay, but you you, you are stubbornly like, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. So basically, the, the point of the game is to launch a rocket into space. Okay. That some people play it as launch a rocket every minute, <laughs> and that that's their game end point. <laughs> but like, it's, I don't want to do that. I just want to get one rocket off this planet to go. I did the thing. I made the pipeline that eventually made the thing. And maybe at some point in the future, I will come back to it and play it mm. again, and and it will be a bit more. This is just my thing that yeah. I've done. Well, that's the thing. Once you once you gotten to that one rocket done you're like i now understand the chain of events yeah and then maybe it'll be a bit you know a bit be a bit freer once you know what what your end state is it might be interesting once i've got to the end to go i will play through on normal i won't you know i'm not going to adjust any of the the random settings uh, for startup i'm just going to play it as it is like intended as default yeah but right now, it's it's just like, I just want to see the end. Yeah. You you are invested in this obsessive looping of mechanics. Pretty much. A little bit, yeah. yeah. I, I do like the fact that I've now unlocked uh, blueprints. Yes. So that I can go, I designed this thing. I will save that for any future game I play. Yes, you're not having to rebuild the things you like um, component by component from scratch. You can yep. go, I invented this. Next game, I can just have it have that invention again. Yep. Okay, that that does sound needed. It's it's almost like um like like a roguelite. Mm. It's like ah, I have, have developed all these things. I have I have unlocked blueprints. I have created my own blueprints. I'm using other blue other people's blueprints. Yeah. I am slowly understanding more and more of the game. Yeah. And making a little bit more progress every time I restart. Yeah. Sort of. You're playing it like a game that's meant to be played in short runs, but they're quite long runs. So long. <laughs> yeah, those games that are played in runs work because they're typically fairly short. The fact that like most people's like a guide to Factorio, uh, like let's plays, are a hundred episodes long. <laughs> well, 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 well. <laughs> well, we did. Rep- we 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 played something less mentally intensive this week together. <laughs> Should we should we talk about we we played through some Twilight Princess HD. We hit the twiglet. Yeah, we finally got my Wii U setups like years after moving here because I initially was missing a gamepad charging cable and then something else was wrong. I can't remember what. We eventually got the thing up and running, mm-hmm. and we we done played some 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 of that that Zelda where you become a wolf. A woo. Uh, a woo. It's been a while since I played uh, Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. Um. That game has some weird NPCs, huh? <laughs> some, some. Considering Are we talking about Uku. I mean, human face teddy chicken is quite an odd concept for an NPC. What this game needs is human face teddy chicken. Human face teddy chicken that just hides in a pot and it's like, oh, hello, hello, you broke me out. Hi, I'm a teddy face, uh, a human face teddy chicken. Hi, I can, I can fast travel you out out into the world. Yeah, there is angry, angry. 
angry, angry baby that like very stoically <laughs> talks at you about how terribly you're doing and then opens a shop later. Mallow looks so grumpy. Yeah, there's the clown that opens a, a, that, that has like a cannon that he fires you into the air and that's his whole thing is like, hey, I own a cannon. People pay me to fire them into the sky. Want me to shoot you somewhere for ten rupees? Yeah! It's... <laughs> I like Twilight Princess. I, I, I very much enjoy it. Um... It's very clear that, like, it was trying very hard to be his the bigger ocarina of time because people grumbled about Wind Waker. Hmm. Um, and more mature, I think, people wanted. Yeah. Because they'd seen that uh, tech demo and wouldn't, like, yeah. I, want, oh, I, don't, I don't link story. Yeah. It's, what, what, if we, what if we did another Zelda that was, like, we're, we're going to make a lot of the plot elements a bit grimdark and, and everything's a bit miserable and the world's having a bad time. Um... I like the visual look of it. Yes, it looks great. Yeah, uh, I like the like the general art style of it. I like the character designs. I like how pretty Link is. Yeah, um, I very much enjoy the whole thing with the uh, the the skeletal knight that teaches you new moves. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool way to, in a game that doesn't have like a level up system, to still make it feel like your character is progressing in their mm-hmm. combat abilities as they go on. Yeah. Yeah, this this is your first time playing um, playing the game in a while and playing on the Wii U as well. First time I played in a while. First time I played on Wii U. First time I've touched any of the HD yeah. um, remasters. T- tell us about your experience. How you? It's very pretty. It is very pretty. I, I'm getting used to a Wii U controller. It's lighter than you'd expect, right? Yeah, and I think you need to for like long play sessions. Yeah, it's. It's almost got the feel of like a Fisher Price kids. Thi- <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, it's it like a the leap leapfrog Nintendo. Yeah, it feels like it feels like the edutainment learning game controller that you'd give yeah. like a like a six year old. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I like the gamepad. I find it really comfortable. Yeah, it's good. You use. you can see how they got from like the Wii to the Switch. Oh yeah, no, it one hundred percent. It's what if you had a console that you could play on your TV, but if someone wanted to use the TV, you could very, like, instantly be playing in a handheld instead? And, like, the, the core idea is there. It's basically, can you play seven foot away from your TV versus on the bus? And it's not that fundamentally different an idea. Not really, no. Um, it is definitely the step they needed to take to get to the Switch. I think so, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I I continue to very much enjoy Twilight Princess. Um I like I like Midna's energy as um she's very dom. Yeah, she's she's <laughs> tiny but she's she is real dom energy. She's constantly like, "Oh, are you going to be a good well-behaved little wolf there, are you?" Mm-hmm. I'm going to ride you around. Yeah. Yeah, she 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 really got that dom energy. <laughs> um but she looks like a tiny imp until yeah. the end and then she's like Definitely got good dom energy there. <laughs> yes. I, I appreciate as well that the HD version has drastically toned down the number of um, glowing grapes you need to collect from the Twilight Realms. I really can't tell the difference, I'll be honest. Uh, I Maybe I'm imagining things, but I'm pretty sure there were a lot more originally. Like, I've played Twilight Princess a lot of times, and I feel like it's a lot fewer to find. I, yeah, I, I can't tell. But, no. um, like... Yeah, I think it's it's beautiful. It's still looking it, beautiful. It 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 upscales to HD a lot better than I would have expected. 
Like, obviously, Wind Waker makes sense. That goes to HD really nicely because it's self-shaded and that always looks mm. nice. But, like, this... That game has aged remarkably well in Again, it's, it's almost cartoony style, so... Yeah, it's it's just enough, like, lack of detail on the human faces that the faces upscale well, and just enough detail in the outfits that they still pop. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a yeah. nice it's a nice looking game. Yeah, I mean the the outfits are incredible, especially like Link's like all the yeah. the stitching on the hat and stuff. Yep. Uh you get to play at the GameCube way around as opposed to right-handed Link from the like I love the Wii version, but Link's a lefty. Link is a lefty. Um and I like that you still have the the motion control the sort of gyro aim with the with the controller. Yeah, I keep trying to do both at the same time and it doesn't really work. <laughs> no, you've got to sort of you've got to use the the stick for like the larger movements and then the and gyro you know. for like the the, the micro movements. Yeah. yeah, I'm having a good time replaying that. Yeah, same. It, we did one very long sitting and got basically we were off to go get the master sword, so yeah, we'll give it another weekend. We'll probably have finished it. And Ooh. then we'll move on to the other, like, six Wii U games that are of any worth playing. You mean the other five? Because you only got six and you said they were the six games. Yeah, basically. There's there's new Super Mario. The, the, the one where Mario is a cat that climbs up trees is the only one I didn't pick up because it's probably coming to Switch this year, it sounds like. Um... But otherwise, we got like the six Switch, the six Wii U games that are like worth playing still that aren't on other consoles. So we got Zombie U. Yeah, we have got Zombie U. Nintendo World. Uh, yeah, Nintendo Land. We've got um, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, uh, Star Fox Zero. That's not on the Switch yet. I've never played it. Um, it's it's got a very different control scheme. I don't know if it's necessarily good, but it's fascinating. Okay, it's worth playing to be like. It's it's another example of Nintendo clearly going out of their way to try and go like, here's here's us imagining how we could take them make the most of this console to do something original. Mm. Um, I think the last time I tried to play a Star Fox was whatever the 3DS one was. Oh yes, Star Fox, Star Fox 3DS. Was it just called that? Something like that. Yeah, uh, I've never played Adventures on the Cube. Yeah. Oh, Xenoblade Chronicles X. That oh, yes. was that was the other one that's not yet ported to Switch. Mm-hmm. But like that that's basically all the the Wii U original Nintendo exclusive games that aren't yet on Switch that are sort of worth having a look at. Yeah. Uh what about you? Have you played anything else this week? Uh, well, we played some things together. We played yeah. some more pan- Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Yes, we did uh, January, February, March and April. Yes. And um, did do March twice. Yes, we finally, finally lost a game. we finally lost a game of Pandemic Legacy. We got all the way through Season 1 <laughs> and a couple of months into Season 2 with no losses. Yep. I was kind of happy almost to see a loss. I was like, there we go. Okay, it, it has gotten more difficult. It has. It's... It's going to mean that in future games, failure is going to feel more on the table, I think. I mean, I, I really thought that we were due a loss. Yes. I like I could feel it coming. It's like, we've run out of funding. There is so much to do right now. Yeah. And we've got so little food. That's that's the thing. Like Those first couple of months of season two of Pandemic Legacy give you a lot of places to be at once. Very few place, ways to get from place to place, like, other than taking the long route. Lots of permanent problems that you can't deal with. Lots of 
objectives to expand and no real signalling of which ones are the important ones. Mm. Or, or even if some are more important than others. Um, there's a lot of problems to keep on top of. And those first couple of months really dwindled your resources to take care of those problems. Mm. So, like, yeah, once we had no... Once we didn't have the ability to get rid of plague cube, two plague cubes off the board, we were really having a rough time. Yeah. Obviously, without the funding, there was that. I mean, there was always a risk those cards weren't going to come up. Yeah. But now it's a case of we've got, like, a lot more options... But that in turn has created this whole thing of, depending on how many cities you've got, you could have up to ten epidemics now. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, that's a lot of city cats. And lot yes. Of, that's a lot of epidemics. I will say, I'm feeling more confident now that we've made it through April. Yeah. In that we made choices about investigating certain things that really paid off for us. Mm-hmm. Um... We got a couple of really, really, really important abilities that we'd sort of in the first few games gone, oh, that's something that, you know, this game doesn't have and it would be really useful to have. And Mm. we managed to find where some of those abilities were located. Uh, The narrative's unfolding really interestingly. Uh, You you did great at following coordinates and working out where shit was (laughs) on the map. It's like, I wonder if these coordinates are actually accurate. I suspect these are accurate. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying how different this version of the game is, right? I mean, it's weird because it's got, like, all of the same basic beats to it, Mm. but it feels so different. And essentially all it is is backwards pandemic. Yeah, at its core, it's still flip over three cards per turn, those places will get disease, will, will reach them, travel around the board and deal with making sure the disease doesn't get bad. Um, Draw two cards if one's an epidemic, things go bad, otherwise you've got them to work with. It's the same core game. Yeah. It's just pieces being taken off the board rather than put on the board. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's a backwards pandemic. uh, Well done. The unveiling the map the more you play, genius. Yeah. Like, those first couple of games I was like, it feels really weird that it's such a small board, and I'm like, oh god, I, I, I long for the days where we had such a small board to manage. There's <laughs> so much to do! Yeah, and I, I very much get the feeling we can't just go, it's fine, we'll just play the whole game in the tiny area, it'll be fine. I feel like that would come to bite us months from now. Well, I mean, it, it has helped that, like, reconning new areas has been... Like, a, a whole way of getting one of the objectives completed each month. Yes. It's it, like, okay, we'll, we'll we'll keep exploring. We'll keep exploring because we'll probably in the long run be glad we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pandemic Legacy is really good. It really is. Yeah. It's going to be painful when we finish Season 2 and have to wait for Season 3. Well, by that time, hopefully all of my Kickstarter games will have finally turned up. Oh, so many board... It's just going to be Saturday morning board games for the rest of the year. That's what's going to keep us through. It's going to have to be, because, yeah. like... I can't, I, there, there's uh, Streets of Steel, which was due, like, over a year ago. <laughs> and I'm really sorry, we've had some problems, but it's in production, and we've heard back from our warehouse and stuff, and it'll be shipped soon and we're just double checking everyone addresses everyone's addresses are still correct because we're actually shipping now it's like <laughs> cool when's that out august yeah so we're, i think there's like 
four Kickstarter board games coming yeah. in between like August and September. The Adventure Zone uh, Adventure... game is coming in August. There's that. There's there's like a new Tiny Epic game that just got uh, oh, just gosh. got on Kickstarter. <laughs> Tiny Epic Pirates. Ah, oh, we're gonna have so many board games to do. So many board games. Heck. So yes, Pandemic Legacy, good. Season two continues to be good. <laughs> Season three soon, please. Yay. Uh, what about you? Have you played anything else? Uh, very quickly, I finished my every now and then I do this replaying of Beyond Good and Evil. I foolishly played the PC version because that was the easiest one to stream, or so I thought. Turns out, no. That game doesn't... The game is great still, but the PC port is absolute horse shit. Don't play it on PC. Get the 360 or the PS3 version... Get the GameCube version and play it through your Wii or your Wii U. Do anything other than play the goddamn PC version. Mm -hmm. That said, still a charming game. It does a really good job of sort of funneling you through the narrative, but giving you enough sort of non-linear space to feel like you're exploring. I love the photography mechanics in there. I still think the story and the music score are fantastic. It looks really good still. It's held up visually really nicely. Even if it is a little depressing, like, aha, it's a story in which the journalists show some photos of the government doing something bad and instantly everyone turns on them and the world is okay and everyone rises up. Be nice if that was accurate. Mm. A little bit of a concern there. Yeah. And lastly, the ending of that game still is crying for a sequel, and I'm not talking about the Beyond Good and Evil 2 they're actually making. Ooh. Fucking... Mm. No, thank you. Ugh. Did you play anything else this week? That's everything I played. It's been a very Factorio heavy week. Uh, we did do a little bit of Magic the Gathering. Oh, yeah. We did. I, I'd almost forgotten. <laughs> we made some decks from, what's the new expansion? Uh, Ikoria, Lair of Behemoths. Yeah, so do you want to talk about the, the new mechanics this set had? Well, officially, it was supposed to come out in April. Yeah. It had a release date, I think it was like April 25th or something. It's like, cool, everyone's ready for, for that. And then it came out on Arena, the online version. Yeah. And then they had the pre-release kits released last Friday. Yeah. So they 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 were very kindly delivered by our local game store. Yeah, dropped on the doorstep and run away. Pretty much. Um, yeah. So the 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 new thing with this one is mutations. mutations. Yeah. So you can either summon a creature as normal, or you can summon it as a mutation for a different like summoning price. And it will add abilities to another creature. Yeah, so basically whether you put it on top of or underneath a creature will be whether it's you're adding all of the things that already exist on the table to this creature. Or, or if you're adding like one aspect of this creature, like say Death Touch or Life Link to or the pile like that, of to the to yeah. the pile of things for whatever the one on top is. Yeah, it's it's an interesting mechanic, and it's definitely strengthened by the fact that a lot of these creatures not only add an ability, but then if you mutate them uh, well, the first time you mutate them, and if you mutate them again, they kick off an ability that encourages you to like mutate, mutate, mutate to keep getting this cool ability. It's 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 a great system, but if you start mutating a character, that's your only character out or, or creature that's out on the board, and it dies to removal, you've got fucking nothing. Yeah, so you really want to get like, I had some creatures in the the deck that I build out of my boosters 
that had um, hexproof. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like th- like if you were going to build a deck around this mechanic, you probably want to start with your base being a creature with hexproof and then mutate upon that so that like you, you at least have one shot of, okay, this thing is strong and it's not going to get killed by that. I've got time to mutate it. Mm. Um, but yeah, you are you are obviously sacrificing monsters on the board for stats. Yeah. And the, the thing is, like, putting those monsters out on the board is so expensive. Like, most of them are, are CMC 4 or 5 at least. Uh, converted mana cost of 4 or 5 at, at least. So, like, the the you going, like, oh, yeah, for, for, for 3, I can just have this as a boost to that creature and it'll be much better. Yeah. Which is fine if it doesn't immediately die to removal. Yeah. And you were yeah. the only one with any removal spells. Yes. Um... It's it's an interesting mechanic. There, there was also a lot of reliance on like there was a lot of cards that worked around cycling. Cycling yes. seemed to be a really big uh, thing they were encouraging you to do in this. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of encouragement to have spell heavy decks, uh, like non creature spells. And there were a lot of big big heavy hitting creatures that were like three mana type. Yes. Yeah. It seems to be very much focused on trying to get people to play, like, three-colour decks. Yeah. And... And then also there was the companion creatures. Yes. Which were like, if you build your deck in this way, you can have this as a thing that you summon from your sideboard. Yeah, so the the idea, like, for one of the examples, it was, I, I think... You only get to have 40... Well, you only have 40 cards in your starting deck rather than 60... And you can only have creatures of CN uh, of a CNC that's yours had one that was even, I think, and mine yeah, was only was yeah, mine was only odd CNC creatures. Um, so you've got to like really build your deck around this thing, but it sits to the side of the board, like rather than having to be drawn into your hand. And if you've got the CN uh, the CNC, you can bring it out. If you've got the mana, um, yeah. yeah. If you've got the mana, sorry, yes. If you've got the mana, you can bring it out. Um, it reminded me a lot of there was a season of the Yu-Gi-Oh anime that um, uh, the, the the whole conceit behind it was that players would pick a card from their deck that's like, hey, this is this is like my my card that represents me, and I put it to one side, and at any point I can bring it into the game, but if it gets destroyed, I lose the game. It was a, yeah. are you about to lose? Bring this thing in and try and claw yourself back a win, but like it's a large last ditch effort. It reminded me kind of tonally of that. Hmm. Yugi, yeah, sorry. Yugi Magic has um, Commander, which is a sort of a, this is my Commander and they do the thing. But rather than like, if they die, that's it. Yeah. They can just keep coming back. But it's, for slightly yeah. more expensive costs. Yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! never put that into the card game itself, but I was reminded of it with, yeah. with that. Um, one thing I find interesting is... Magic, maybe I'm wrong, but reading those cards, it seemed to imply that only having a 40-card deck would be to your detriment. Like, this was a sacrifice you were making to to get to use this thing. Whereas, I mean, maybe I just don't know enough about Magic, but again, from a Yu-Gi-Oh background, getting to have 20 fewer cards in in your deck is a godsend. It's a blessing. It makes it infinitely easier to get to the things that kick off your combos. Like, if you have a set thing you want this deck to do, and, like, the combo that is the really good combo it does, you can cut out so much that isn't the one combo you want to do. Mm. And, like, I I would be really interested to try and build a 40-card deck around one of those. I might sit and try and do it some weekend, because that seems really interesting to me. 
Yeah, magic. Magic. I think that's everything we've played this week. I think you might be right. Well then, time for this. Time for this. Thank you for joining me, everyone. It's uh, lovely to see so many of you here. Yes, 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 yes. Well done. So uh, we are brainstorming for new ideas, and uh, the main subject we're working on this week will be uh, comfort food. Oh, yes, that makes sense. That makes sense. Everyone's at home looking for, you know, food that will fill the void, as exactly, it were. Exactly, exactly. Food that is comforting, it's, it's, it's hearty, it's bringing them joy, but also giving them a little bit of a hug. Okay, so where do you start? What do you suggest? Have you got any suggestions? Well, we've been talking to our bakery section, and uh, I thought maybe, you know, something comfortable, moist, yes, but yes. also um, relaxing, hmm. like a, a cake sofa. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, you nice. can sit down and have a nice lie down and then so, and eat... a cup of tea. Yes, and then eat the sofa. Yes. Indeed, absolutely, wonderful. absolutely. And uh, probably enough to, to feed a, a few people at least. Got a couple oh, exactly. of slices, certainly. Wonderful. I have a bit of cushion. Yes, but also want the big sofa cushions. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so what, do we have uh, any other suggestions? I had this idea. So, you know how oh, the world is full of all sorts of stressful noises yes, and yes, everything's yes. a bit overwhelming. What if you could have a soothing sandwich mm. that, as you ate it, produced gentle whale noise? Oh, lovely. So it's a sort of... Exactly. Just to drown out the sounds of, you know, your neighbour's children shouting while you're trying to have a meeting in the middle of the day working from home. Yes. Just soothing sandwich. And does it soothe all the way down? or is oh, it just... all the way down. Oh, lovely. You can hear the whale song through its entire journey. That's delightful. Oh, I've just had to back from R&D. We've got uh, a wonderful, warm, huggable friend who can also be a delicious stew. A friend who can be stew? Yes, yes. So basically, you know, they were using, like, you know, like the Tide Pods. It's got oh, sort of a membrane, yes. but it's it's one of those, but it's it's plant-based, you see. Oh, yes. So uh, it looks like a, a sort of membrane, but you, you warm it up, and the whole thing melts into a delicious warm stew. But oh, wonderful. But before, up until then, you can you can hug them. They're very warm and oh, there's lovely. a very comforting weight to the stew. Oh, lovely! I've I've got another one on the on the on the docket mm-hmm. list. Um, so maybe you can't go out and see your your mental health advocate right now. You can't mm-hmm. go see your therapist or mm-hmm. counsellor. Mm-hmm. What you can do is make yourself some nice calming soup. Oh. What if your soup could serve that purpose? Sort of soup, soup that would uh, you know listen to what you your yes, yes. issues were. That you could sort of stir all of your concerns and worries into, and sort of stir them away. It's therapist soup. I love it. I love it. I, love I it. think we should make sure we do put on the label though that, that that no therapists were hurt in the making of the soup. Um. Lastly, we've uh, back to the bakery. You see, um. How about just a lovely grandma who is made of gingerbread? That sounds like the most delightful thing I could imagine. She's warm. She's got a, a lovely, wholesome uh, smell to her. She's good for cuddles and soft and chewy. I mean, everything you want in a grandma. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think this has been a rather productive meeting. I think so too. Goodness, I think we're going to save the world with all this. I think so. Looking forward to the next quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I've gathered you all here. I'm hoping that um, we can have this meeting. We've had a busy week, you know, making yeah. sure the barricades are secure. You know, trying to keep out the literal zombies 
six feet that way beyond the wall. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. It's been, it's been a long week. Yeah, we we've had to like uh, we've got some new boards up, so we've we've been uh, boarding up the windows. Yeah, we've we've got water to last a few days. Yeah, I think we're all right for a while at least. Yes, yes. So uh, I was thinking, you know, since uh, we are the last four survivors, that uh, maybe we should look at, at our situation. And uh, it, it came to my attention that no one in the group has been bitten for at least a week. I mean, that is fantastic news. Yeah, yeah. That, that does mean that our, our, our defenses are working. The steps we've taken to keep ourselves safe seem to be keeping us safe. Absolutely. I think all the things we've done, we've... We've stayed in here. We've we've stayed secure. I think we've we've done everything the best possible way we could. I have taken that into consideration. I've looked at uh, our uh, our food situation. I've looked at our ammo situation. I've looked at uh, every everyone around this particular campfire, and I'm thinking maybe it is time to ease the lockdown. Wait, 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 what? Well, you know, as I said, it's been a week since anyone was bitten. Yeah, but we still have no cure for this. This isn't going to end anytime soon. And the zombies... You, you can hear the zombies right out there. They're just on the other side of that wall. Well, yes, I mean, but uh, no, nobody's been bitten. Nobody. Mm. Yes, because we've all stayed inside safe away from the zombies. Exactly. So now is the time to ease the lockdown. No, we should really be staying inside until someone comes to help, or we have a vaccine, or we have a viable plan of how we're going to leave in a safe manner, because right now the safest thing to do is to stay here. No, I'm, I'm sure, I'm, I think the best thing to do is we just get out and, and we'll, we'll, be able, we'll be able to get more food in, we'll be able to help the community more if we ease the lockdown and we spend more time outside. We, we, have, enough, we have enough to survive for a while, we're going to be, we don't need to do this yet. Yeah, but what if we had more? I mean, if you all want to go break the lockdown, fine by me, but at least give me time to barricade myself into the bedroom before then with the current food supply. Oh no, I'm not feeling too well. See, that's the problem. Unsymptomatic carrier there. So. What have you put in your eyes at the She-Ra? <laughs> yeah, we watched She-Ra. We watched She-Ra! Uh, we're not going to spoil any of the, 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 the things that happen in it, but now that this is the final season of She-Ra, she's, it's season five, that's a real good show. Mm. Stuck the Landing, mm -hmm. five really solid seasons, mm -hmm. no wasted time really. Really got to it that last season, it fucking got moving. Yeah, it got moving, it was really well paced. The action was really interesting. The character interactions were really yep. cool. The 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 main conceit about what was going on was really interesting. And it's gay as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I without specifics, it's gay as fuck. Yes. And like not the we're gonna sort of nudge nudge wink wink kind. No, it's actually gay as fuck. Well, I mean, we had like uh like Bo's parents in uh, yeah, the previous season. Yeah, Bo's Bo's uh, pair of dads. There's the the lesbian couple as well. Yes, yes. Uh, Natasha and uh, I forget the other. I forget his name. Well, but yes, the, like uh, Spinner Spinnerella. Spinnerella. Yes. yes, there there are very specifically ex very explicitly gay characters. Yeah, and the, I like that. The, the show ain't queer baiting, and that's always a relief. But um, yeah, because representation is important. Yeah. I I'm just so glad that they all of the character arcs were really satisfying. 
they managed to do the really difficult thing, which is, hey, we're going to take characters and try and turn turn them around a bit, and they did it in a way that didn't feel forced. Mm-hmm. Um, they felt like there were suitable consequences, and it built up to a really nice end game. She was real good. She was real good. Also, haircuts happened. Mm. Oh, the, those mm. haircuts. <laughs> That's all I can say about that. Watch it. It's really good. Yeah, um, can't recommend it enough. No. Um, DreamWorks fucking knocked it out of the park. Yes, more of this, please. Yeah, more of this. I am excited to see what they get to do next. Yeah, gosh. Whoever... We we need that creative team and, like, Rebecca Sugar work together, create the ultimate, the gayest thing. <laughs> no else even in Rebecca Sugar. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Make it gayer. Uh, um, what about... Have you watched anything else? Uh... We've continued watching Voyager. Yeah, we have. Um, so we're about midway season, through season three now, and we're getting into Borg territory. Yes. So we had like one isolated episode where a Borg was found. It's like, oh, maybe this won't be a thing for a while. No, the Borg are full on a thing. Hello, we are the Collect. I, I like the episode we watched before dinner tonight, mm-hmm. uh, which was very much about the Borg being sort of humanized. Well, uh, the- sympathised towards. There was an empathy towards the plight of a particular group of Borg. Mm-hmm. Or, or ex-Borg. Borg-esque. Borg-adjacent. Yeah. So, for anyone who's not a Star Trek person, the deal with the Borg is that they are a uh, collective hive mind that exists, and They you... assimilate people. Yes. People, people don't t- generally choose to become part of the Borg. The Borg stick some metal into you and you are one of us now. Nanobots. And they have big, big cubes that they float around space in and they are very powerful and Not scary. Just cubes, they've also got spheres. They do have spheres, but generally... there's, there's weird things with the sticky gen- Generally, if you think of a Borg ship, it's the cube. Um, but it was quite nice, this episode of like, hey, here's some Borg that aren't connected to the other Borg. What's their whole deal? What's their little society going on like? Also, what happened to that Borg ship? It looked like it was attacked. <sighs> da, da, da. Whomst could attack the Borg? I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> so, sh- shit continues to constantly be happening in Voyager. Voyager is not a... Like, Deep Space Nine had some silly, light-hearted side story episodes. This is just like, no, no, go, 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 go. New species, new events, new things. Keep driving the plot forward. New, new, new. New, 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 new indeed. I hope you've got an, enough effects budget and, and, and costume budget. Yeah. Because we're going to need a lot of props. I, I was also pleasantly surprised by that one we watched. Um, the the episode about the um, the mating ritual episode. The, oh, with the Ponfar. Yes, the Ponfar, which is the, the Vulcan. The Vulcan, yes. uh, every seven years they get real fucking horny. Mm-hmm. Um... I was pleasantly surprised at some of the writing in that episode. Only some of it. Some of it. There was a point in the middle where I was like, did Berman just walk in and they just, yes, yes, Rick, we're we're doing, yeah, we're making it hornier. Yep, there will be less clothes. Yeah. But like the the first half of that episode where it was about like, hey, someone who is in an altered, is in an altered state of consciousness cannot consent. And it's really important that we sort of establish that that is not informed consent. That's Mm -hmm. good. Well done, Star Trek. Even if you did make it get a bit, now they have to fuck or they're gonna die by the end. Yeah. Yeah. Any other Voyager thoughts? 
I like Voyager, and I'm very excited to see, especially the f- uh, the season finale of this season. I'm gonna cling to you. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm dreading whatever's coming, and I will cling to you and be like, ah, no, no, no. It's really cool. I'm sure it will be really cool, and oh no, I will have so many feelings of worry for everyone. Okay, and then we'll be nearly halfway through the season. And then we'll be that much closer to, to like, the the finale, because the finale of Voyager is fucking incredible. Yeah, gosh. How are we already halfway through Voyager? I'm not quite. We're we're about, like, halfway through season three. Yeah, but, like, we're we're getting there. We are ploughing through Voyager. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. Such a good show. Yeah. Uh, I think that's everything I've watched. Only other very quick thing to throw in. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like Nintendo's doing Nintendo Directs for a while, so they're just throwing up trailers for games that are out real fucking soon. Blech. There's that trailer for uh, Paper Mario and the uh, Okam- uh, uh, Origami... Okami? <laughs> Okami. I wrote about Okami today, that's why. Ah. Uh, the Origami King. Mm-hmm. It's fucking creepy. Will you join us? Fold with us, Mario. Be folded with us. Mm. Join us. I like uh, the idea of throwing origami into into Mario, that, uh, yeah, Paper Mario. That seems really good. That that game's trailer looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about like the combat mechanics and things because that's always the sticking point in Paper Mario games. But oh, not stickers, please, not stickers no. again. Well, that's it. It's, <laughs> hopefully, it's more like Thousand Year Door and less sticker star. <laughs> um, and we've not seen enough to really know which way that's going. But the, visually, it looks stunning and. Mm-hmm. It's out in like June. It's only like two months yeah. away. Yeah, Nintendo we're apparently going to be shadow dropping some games over the next few. That's good because it's like months. that feels like the first new game that's been announced in a while. Announced in a while. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. This whole situation has kind of thrown everyone's announcement strategy. But, I mean, it feels like that could have been announced some time ago. It, it does. I here's the thing. My my one hundred percent suspicion is. There was meant to be a Nintendo Direct by now that was going to be the, hey, this is the year of Mario games, here's all the fucking Mario games. And time passed and Nintendo went, they they did this in a public statement, they were like, hey, hands up, we don't have the workforce right now to put together a proper Nintendo Direct and we're working out how to proceed forward. And it feels like the time that that Nintendo Direct was meant to be has passed and they've gone... Okay, well, we do have this trailer ready. We'll put that one out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, the game's ready. We'll put the trailer out. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a weird few months of just, here's a trailer dropping. But, hooray! Things to play. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's everything we've watched then. I think you might be right. Well, then. Time for this. Time for this. Our new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you want access to one of the biggest shops on the entire planet? I mean, that does sound convenient. A huge selection of options from food to clothing to board games to video games. I mean, those are to all peripherals the... to mean... that cable you need. I mean, considering I can't leave the house right now and all of the speciality shops are shut, this sounds like everything I need. Well, you will be amazed to find out what you own when you sign up for Amazon. Amazon? Yeah, you can own the things. Ah, I see, I can own the things. Yes. I'll be amazed by You'll that. You'll be amazed by how quickly they arrive. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is like next day delivery on next everything. Day delivery. Sometimes same day delivery. <gasps> same day delivery? Same day delivery. How, how do they do this magical service that no one else is providing? They? Let's see. We'll have a scroll through the ad copy. Yeah. Um... Oh, 
Oh. Uh, the staff are treated really badly. They're not allowed to pee. No, no pee breaks. No, they've all been forced to work during the coronavirus and oh. now they're getting t-shirts. Really patronising t-shirts. But no, they haven't like automated like robots to do the They have like these or... robot things that bring you like a stack of stuff. But not that but you like... you have to scan it and wrap it and put it in a box. Oh. Yeah, I'm not taking their money. They can fuck off. No, um... Use that service to find out the things that you wish to purchase and then Google the product name and find somewhere else that sells it. Yeah. Beth Jezos gets fucked. Yeah. That's Amazon. You'll be amazed you own it. Don't, don't, shop don't, don't. Don't do it, don't do it. Like, this is usually the bit where we give you, like, a, a discount code, but we're not even going to tell you what the discount code is. Just don't. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Inside the boardroom of Electronic Active Softworks. Hi. Hi. So, uh, I've been getting more feedback from the, uh, people who play the games. Game... What, the Q&A? No, the, 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 the corporate, uh, the people who pay us the money. Oh, the people that buy the Q&A. People who buy the Q&A, nice. yes, yes, who nice. buy the unfinished pieces of yeah. slowly called games. Yeah. So, they're still unhappy about the whole microtransactions in games thing. They don't They don't like to buy a game that says it's got microtransactions but on But I box. love microtransactions. I know, so do I. They make us so much money. Right. Like, some of the licensing boards have even gone around to putting logos on the box that says has microtransactions, and it gets printed on Ooh. the box and everything. So, I've been thinking of strategies of how we can continue to sell our games without having to put a logo that says there's a microtransaction on the yeah, box. Yeah. So, I've been thinking what if we advertise our games as containing no loot boxes at launch. Right. No right. microtransactions at launch. Right. Because here's the thing. First of all, we're not saying we're going to put them in there. Just, you know, when this game comes out, they won't be in there. You know, there's none in there when the game comes out. We can confirm at launch, no microtransactions. Exactly. It's... It's, no a, it's a truthful statement that we cannot be, you know, proven to have been lying on because, at you know, launch. for, yeah, for at least an hour or so of the game being live, yeah. you know, uh, you know, we'll wait until it's alive in all, all regions for an hour yeah, and then yeah. who knows what will happen. We know what will happen. We'll put loot boxes in. <sighs> but like, here's the thing. The other, the other benefit to this is as long as the version that we put on the, on the disc, the, the, yeah. the launch version doesn't have microtransactions. We don't have to put the microtransaction sticker on it. That's what that day one patch is for. Exactly. You are a fucking genius. I know. So, <sighs> what have you put in your ears? My ears? Your ears. Uh, I put a couple of new songs in my ears this week. Ooh. Um, I listened to a song called Art School Wannabe by Sorority Noise. Um, it's a sort of light synth. Uh, hmm. It's a track that goes back and forth between so, sort of light synth kind of popish mm -hmm. and sort of like a medium heavy rock track um, about trying to work out who you are after you come out of depression. Okay. Like that whole like, hey, I finally worked on myself and I'm feeling more more myself. Oh no! What is who, that? Who who am I now that depression is not hanging over me? It's been so long, and that sort of weird period of trying to. Trying to relearn who you are. Mm. Um, 
yeah, re- really interesting track. It, it talks a lot about like the scary side of building yourself up from scratch after after depression having been a thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? What have you listened to? I've only listened to one thing, so we'll do well, yours first. I will. I'll get through all my songs then. Um, I, I I will give a, a content warning. Skip ahead like a minute, maybe if suicide is a content warning thing for you. Um, I listened to a track called "Congratulations, You Survived Your Suicide" by Sycamore Smith. Um, it's one man and a guitar. Um, very relatable to me as someone who has gone through suicide attempts. Um, a track singing about the weird sort of contradictory feeling that feelings that you go through after surviving a suicide attempt. Mm. That sort of like I'm glad to be alive, but I failed. I feel like a failure even yeah. more now. I, f- I failed to do the thing that I was trying to do, and I'm still here somehow. And there are people who are worse off than me, but didn't try to do this thing. And um, yeah, that knowledge that that might co- that might come up again in your life, and you're gonna have to deal with it. Like the person who tried to kill me is still around and might strike again. Um, yeah, it's it's just a track about trying to unpack those weird feelings mm. and. It was kind of cathartic to listen to, and I know it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but it was it was nice to hear someone else verbalise that like weird contradictory set of survivor guilty feelings that you know you deal with a bit. Uh, and the last one I listened to this week was a track called Overbite by Sincere Engineer. Uh, it's a sort of femme light punk track. Um, about not having it in you to commit to your dreams and sort of slowly growing apathy and pushing yourself to not let go of that spark about the thing that you once cared about. Mm. Like, the idea that if you pick something and go, I want to do this, it's not forever going to have that sort of excitement of this is a new interest I'm really excited about. There will be a point where you'll, you know, apathy will start to grow a little bit and it's like, you know, the work period comes and it's about like pushing through until you find the spark again Mm. like not abandoning the things that you once loved to do that you will love to do again Mm. so some some cool tracks i listened to this week Mm. what about you what did you listen to i listened to um the gun that i have in my right hand is loaded oh have you heard of this that's a hell of a of a track i don't know if i've heard it but that's a hell of a name um so it's I don't know the history of it, but it is basically everything not to do in an audio drama. Like, do you want background noise that is too loud so that you struggle to hear what the main characters are saying? Do you want plot points that are just sort of casually mentioned at some point? (laughs) Okay. Do you want, like, too much just random chatter? Like, yes, that is perhaps the way people speak naturally, but that does not make a good audio drama. (laughs) Right. Um, Like, just... Too much foley. Like, would you like a drink? Yes, I would like a drink. Thank you very much. Unscrews drink. Pours drink. Stirs or something. There you go, darling. I think I will also have a drink. Yes, okay. I'll have a whiskey. You'll have a whiskey. Yes, I think I'll have a whiskey on this day. Unscrews drink. Pours drink. Here's here's the thing. I imagine if you have a visual imagination, that probably really helps to get you into picturing the scene unfolding as it really would. Not so much if you're a... No. Aphantasic audio <laughs> drama the, listener. It's the worst as an aphantasiac, but um, yeah, it's just re- it's really interesting from a point of you're right. I shouldn't do any of these things if I'm ever doing audio drama. <laughs> it was brought up on uh, one of the Magnus Archives uh, 
like between episodes Q and A's. Yeah. As a look, some some why why will we never hear kissing on the Magnus archives because it's bad audio. Yeah. And th- I think that was probably the time they launched into the the gun that I have in my right hand is loaded. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is like that sort of like extraneous like. Commenting yes. on things, yeah. But as I understand it, like that's the point of it. It's yes. it's deliberately trying to show you, like, we're going to make an audio drama that that does all the things you're not supposed to, so you can hear and understand why you should never do yeah. them. As uh, as the title, it's like you should never have a character go. The gun in my right hand is loaded. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like that's that's an accurate descriptor that tells the listener information they need to know, but it's clunky as fuck. Yeah, I mean, you could pretty much resolve that with click. Yeah, yeah. I... Mm, I've been meaning to listen to it because it sounds like a fascinating exercise to explore. It, it really is. It's it's quite fascinating, and it, it's all done in very sort of, like, very, very British... Um. Very, uh, very, very heavily. There it is. It's it's literally right there. As there it one is. of your your listed options. <laughs> yes. Um. It's yeah. It's a, a spoof on how not to write a piece. Right. That sounds worth giving a, a curious listen. Wow, from nineteen ninety one. I did not know. That is older than I I was aware. It's, it's done in a very nineteen twenty style. So yeah. Yeah, it, it was. It was. It's certainly worth a listen if you do things like um, audio, any like real audio work. Yeah, uh, and I suppose some of the stuff we do for for quips, some of the skits. Yeah. <laughs> Last week's sponsor. <laughs> Me sitting there in the editing, going, I'm just going to add a little bit of foley to this. <laughs> oh god, two hours later, why? <laughs> yeah, a- a- attempting to create the sound of the void is always a time-consuming challenge. <laughs> you listen to it. <laughs> yeah, if you want to get the void right, you uh, you got to work on the void. Do the void right. There is no button in Audacity that's like add the void. Oh, and if anyone's curious about what the sound effects were, the, the it's a slowed down me going, you, you're very good. You're very, it's all very positive. And then the whispering, I think the whispering voice is just me going. Listen, you, I, I, you're very, yeah, you should listen to the thing. I'm just suggesting that you, you listen to the thing. This is the thing that I'm whispering about. <laughs> and then just played backwards. Oh, <laughs> it's quite a piece of work you did. Yeah, so if, if anyone was concerned about satanic messages, no, it's all very positive or just <laughs> silly. Oh. <laughs> uh, is that everything we've I listened to? everything we listened to. Right, so looking through uh, CVs here. Yes, yes. Yeah, so we've got um, got a lot of uh, archaeologists to look through. Yes, yes, we've really got to find the ones that are going to do the job right. Absolutely. We've, we've got, got that very important dig coming up. Yes, very important dig. This one, um, Portland Smythe, has been uh, in the field for absolutely years. Incredible with a brush, apparently. Yeah. He uh, recently excavated a uh, some pottery in the uh, the British Midlands. There's oh, yes, some, yes. some some uh, Iron Age uh, Iron Age uh, tools. Oh, well. I heard they were in fantastic condition. Fantastic condition, and he, he excavated them absolutely delicately. Not really what we're looking no, for. No, no, it's really not sounding right to me. Uh, we've got uh, Jones. Oh, another paintbrusher. Ugh. 
Uh, yes, um, Ellison, paintbrush. Gosh, there are... Oh! Um, Croft! Croft! Croft, yeah. Bursts into tombs, guns blazing, smashing things, and is very willing to steal a priceless artefact. Oh, that's the one for us! That's the one for the British Tourist Board! <laughs> <laughs> For us to get so many chips, 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 so many chips, 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 chips. dropped, dropped waffles, dropped waffles, oh, ice, ice cream, cream ice, ice cream, cream, cream. 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 but there's none, no, there's none, no, no. Ice cream. where's chips, where's chips, chips? chips? Where's, where's chips, where's ice creams, chips, there's no chips, no chips, no chips, no chips, no chips. we need to get the chips back, chips back, yeah, chips, yeah. chips. So, plans, 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 we could swarm people's homes, steal the chips from the houses, right, right, everyone, there's so many of us, if we fly in the window, they can't stop us, summer, they've all got the windows open, exactly, yeah. windows open, summer, Questions. What's the questions? Uh, Lucy asks, "What's your favourite cryptozoological creature?" Oh, I like Mothman. Mothman. Mainly because of the statue they have of Mothman with the really, really like great ass. Are you aware of this statue? Um, I can't remember what town in America it is that's like the the place where all the Mothman sightings happen. In their town square, they have like a huge, like eleven foot tall statue of Mothman, and it just has the most rock solid tight ass cheeks. Like, they did not need to give this muscular toned ass to Mothman, but my god, the Mothman statue has a good ass. Uh, well, I mean, that that's very on brand for you. Yeah, yeah, I will, I will, while, while you're answering, I will look up a picture of the Mothman ass just so that you can see. Well, I mean, I'm going to have to go with the, the arseless and, and very obvious for me, a Cicalia. Like a Cicalia, they're hot, but for different reasons. <laughs> Imagine tentacles, but consenting. I, I, yeah. So that's oh no, no, it is not. It was. <laughs> um, there's Mothman's ass. Wow. That's, yeah. Those are quite the buns of steel. Yeah, they did not need to give Mothman that ass, but they did. That ass. Yeah, just just Google Mothman ass. You'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> uh, kick. <laughs> Caladry asks, which princess's power from She-Ra would you have? I say princess's power because otherwise everyone would choose G DT shapeshifting. Oh yeah, that would be a good one. Mm. I would love to have entraptors. I have two. Uh, I have hair that is two functioning arms that can help me out with shit. Also amazing science brain. Yeah, amazing science brain and I have hair hands. Hair and tiny food. And tiny food. I can make robot friends to help me. Robot friends and tiny food. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I think that probably is. Or maybe yeah. perfumer. I'd like to be able to grow plants. Oh, that's good. Glimmer's teleportation would be nice. It would be cool to just bamf here and there. Yeah, being able to teleport around is a super cool power. Mm -hmm. uh, Dungeon Kitty says, uh, what's your favourite class in D&D? Supplementary classes allowed, and why is it Tabaxi Sorcerer with a pet owl? <laughs> I, I, I am, I am basic. I really like my um, 
tiefling bards. Tieflings are cool. They're the, the sort of the half demon people. They've got really cool aesthetics, and bards are just fun to play because they get to do like infinity all the spells. They get like so many different spells of so many different types. And charisma is just like the best stat because you can talk people into shit. You get persuasion and deception, which are always useful. I like a good charisma-based spellcaster. Yeah, I think it's barbarian halfling. It might be fighter halfling. Um, it's basically whichever one gives you the crit on 19 and 20. Oh, yeah. Because halflings also have halfling luck, which means that you can re-roll a natural one, which means basically you've got, you've got like a 1 in 10 chance of getting a crit. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty nice. This is real good. Like, it's it's so handy, and also it's very fun when you're playing Eleanor. Yeah. She's my favourite little creature. I, I, honestly, I think a lot of people's favourite, like, combination is also their favourite character. It's <laughs> like, I like Valtari. Valtari's a good character. Yeah. I, I don't like classes that don't have lots of spells, because I suddenly am like, how do I solve problems if I can't just look at my list and go, I have a, I have a one that fixes that. If you're Eleanor, the answer is stab it or shit on it. <laughs> or flirt with it. Those are the three options. <laughs> Pretty much. That's how she do. <laughs> uh, Becky Tuhill. Hi, Becky! Hi! Uh, asks, uh, what phrases do you enjoy saying slash think are really good? I, I, I mean, I have ones that I use a lot. I don't know if I think they're really good. Yeah. They're a bit... They, they kind of remind me of the weird old guy that lived next door to me as a kid. Yeah. Who'd always be like, be good, not too good, but fairly good. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I I like ones that have good, like, fr- uh, pairs of words that have good mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. The only one I can think of off the top of my head is bumbling buffoon. Ooh. That's It's just got a nice, like, buh 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 beat to it. Bumbling buffoon. Bumbling buffoon. Uh, I like sleep well. Uh, um, uh, good night, sleep well. Don't let the biscuits eat you. Don't let the biscuits eat you. Don't let the biscuits eat you. Mm-hmm. The hobnobs are coming. <sighs> uh, Crimson, and it's very important that you see the picture related to this. <gasps> What's your favourite game soundtrack? Also, please enjoy my 90s chonky Pikachu plushes. Oh, oh, they're, they're so cute. I forgot what the question was. Uh, video game soundtracks. Yep. There's, there's a f- Depends when you ask me. <laughs> um... I think, here's the thing, I've recently gone back and played Beyond Good and Evil, and every time I replay that game, I'm like, oh, that game soundtrack is so good. It has so many, like, absolute knee-slapper tracks to it. It's real good. Um, Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, okay, that's... Like, like the original. That's a, that's a classic, yeah. It is. Um, also, the, the Black Mages have done some amazing cover versions. Indeed. Um, I'm trying to think what else... What else I have enjoyed? Uh, the original um, Lord of the Rings 1991, I think, interplay game yeah. on PC internal speaker. Mm. Mm. There's Twi- something so growly about it. So I wanted to bring up a Zelda game of some kind, and I think Twilight Princess, it's not just because we've played it recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the one that for me gets the best balance between wonderful orchestral versions of tracks that I know inside out. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it, a lot of that game soundtrack is. Here's a track from Ocarina of Time, but what if we orchestralized it? And I'm like, yep, that's what I want. Yeah, I like. I really like the Wind Waker soundtrack. Oh, it is good. Um, Super Mario World. Yeah, there's some bangers in that. 
That's some that's some good yeah, soundtracks. I think that those are some good soundtracks. Arachnovolt. Um, Arachnovolt says their choice would be uh, a Cadence of Hyrule. Oh, Cadence of Hyrule does have a good soundtrack. Haven't played it. I'm sure it's got some amazing tracks. It in does. It. Oh, Mass Effect Two as well. Yeah. Mass Effect Two has some stunning like. If you want just like really cool ambient space music, mm-hmm. amazing soundtrack, particularly the track Suicide Mission, mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Sapphire Sunset asks, what was your first favourite outfit or clothing item after you came out and started presenting as yourselves? Oh, I can 100% tell you. The outfit that like was the one outfit that I wore for like probably the first year that I was starting to come out was... I had, like, quite a nice um, dress that had a sort of, like, an abstract flowery pattern on it. Like, it wasn't just, like, here's a bunch of flowers on it. It was all slightly abstract, uh, like, slightly abstracted shapes and colour choices. Uh, It wasn't overly flower patterned. It was just, you know, it it was a nice, it was a nice skirt, uh, nice dress. And over the top of it, I always paired a black denim jacket and... It was that combination of dress with black denim jacket that got me through like the first year of being out. Mm. It was it was here is a thing that is clearly feminized and that is gonna get coded as like, ah, that's that is someone who wishes to be female pronouns to be used. Um, but with enough of like my arms and shoulders and like chest covered that I felt like I wasn't gonna get misgendered on that front mm. it was it was a comfort outfit that one nice. plus i could wear it just about wear it in the in the summer it wasn't overly hot and in the winter uh just pair it with with tights mm. multiple layers of tights if needed <laughs> nice. yeah what about you oh goodness um i think probably my my raving outfit so it was i found these really nice white skirts from 21 mm. Um, I unfortunately tie-dyed one of them several years later <laughs> and regretted it almost immediately. Oh, no. <laughs> um, it's, um, so it's sort of, it's one of the few skirts that goes most of the way to the ground on me. Like, you can just about see my ankles under it. And, like, a white um, tunic top with some slightly, like, embroidered bits around, around the neckline. But, uh, like, a... It's not super low cut, but it's got like a nice scoop neck. It's 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 pretty subtle, but it was it was nice to sort of go raving because I'd come out like initially to a friend of mine who was a techno raver, hmm. and he was all about wear white all the time, like uh, all yeah. the raves because like there's going to be UV, there's going to be other colours. It's going to pop really nicely. It's going to pop really nicely in UV, and if you if there's no UV and there's just like disco lights. You're just going to reflect everything. It's going to, yeah. you know, you're going to fit in colorways with everybody. Yeah. And it, it, raving was one of the few times when I didn't feel like I needed to be sort of subdued. Yeah. Because most of the time after coming out, I was like day to day wearing like I'm wearing black leggings and like a a, a cardigan over a, a, oh. a like a, a normal top just to go to work because I worked in offices. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. It's it's that period when you first come out of. Please don't notice I exist. Please <laughs> nice. let please let me just not be noticed by anyone. Maximum frump. Yeah. Well, just lots of like very little in the way of like splashy noticeable colors. Like be be as muted and understated as possible. Mm-hmm. 
Do not look at me. Don't look at me. Yeah, so it was nice to, to go raving and just be like, I, yeah, I glow. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can make what you want of that. Wood. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, I still love that name. Uh, what do you think is the franchise you've spent the most hours on? Pokemon. I mean, if we're going for a whole franchise, it's got to be Zelda. Because I've uh, replayed them so many times. I've replayed them so many times, but like... I have put in like eight. I've put somewhere in the region of sixteen hundred hours into Pokemon just in the last like two years. Mm. Like I've played a fucking lot of Pokemon. Yeah, I've played a lot of Pokemon. Like I, I, I've, I've not only replayed them, but I've like I, I finish playing them and then I keep going with them. Mm-hmm. I play a lot of Pokemon. <laughs> you do play a lot of Pokemon. I got two more shiny Pokemon today. Yay! Shiny yeah. friends. Here are Timber. And a silver Lee. Yay, friends. Yay. Is it silver Lee silver? Uh, he's got, well, it's usually it's silver. <laughs> he's now got sort of gold, like bronzy gold on it. Yeah, so yeah. it's more of a gold Lee now. Yeah. Uh, Maggie J. Evans. Hi. Um, uh, what do you prefer? A game with a gender non-conforming main character or a game which allows you to create your own? Game where I get to create my own because then I can personalise them how I like. As opposed to... I, I like having some control and getting to feel like, I made that character. That is an avatar of me. Yeah. Um, I don't think... I can't think of a game I've played where there is a gender non- non-conforming character. <sighs> I would like to see more of that. Uh, Un- Undertale's protagonist is uh, is never gendered. But is that gender non-conforming? Or is that that they were uh, never explicitly gendered? Uh, yeah, I, su- I suppose. Gen- gender non-conforming. Um, hmm... It depends how you define gender non-conforming. I can think of some characters that might that might apply to, but generally, video games like to like to binary up yeah, they their do. characters. We've we've yeah. yet to really stretch much much past the binary. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'd be very up for, for seeing that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do like to to pick a character and make it like as me as possible. Exactly. Or an idealized version of yeah. myself. Looking exactly. at you, President of the United States from Saints Row 4. Indeed. Oh, <laughs> and that is all the questions. Well then. Time for this. Time for this. Oh. Do you want to know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Brochure Justice Warriors. Brochure Justice Warriors? Yeah. yeah. Alright, Larry. Alright, Barry. How you doing? Oh, you bear, mate. How are you? I'm alright, I'm alright. You uh, surviving? Just about, yeah. I miss the uh, human contact. As we all do, as we all do. Uh, I did a trip to the shops the other day. Did my uh, every now and then trip. Had me uh, face mask on and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, 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 uh, I happened to uh, pass a couple of uh, homeless people on my uh, local town centre as I was heading yeah. to the shops. And, uh, you know, they, they had, uh, you know, face masks and gods and whatnot. But... Um, it, it, I stopped and uh, spoke spoke to a woman because I, I I suddenly had this sort of realization that there's uh, probably not a lot of people around helping people out right now. Um, I stopped and had a chat, and yeah, the impression I I uh, I got from the conversation was very much uh, homeless people right now are struggling because there's not a lot of people around. Yeah, there's uh, very few people around, and those people who are around are deathly afraid to go near anyone they don't know it seems in, yeah. you know which is a convenient excuse to not you know engage with homeless people yeah well, I suppose that is a, a, a real problem you know despite what the government have said about uh, 
you know, having housed people or at least got them yeah. off the street. It's, well, uh... the problem is, is like that's true. They have got homeless people off the street for the most part in the country. They've given them places to sleep, but largely that doesn't come with food to eat. And you know that that means that a homeless person still got to get not only have they still got to get food to eat, but also they need the ability to you know not be entirely alone. You no. know, which is always a always a situation and. You know, from from the I've I've spoken to a couple of people while while been I've been out, and yeah, there's been a real lack of uh, people ignoring homeless communities even more than normal, trying to yeah. avoid engaging with them, which is really you know quite a depressing thing to to think about. Yeah, um, I I know I've been a little bit at fault on this because I've since this whole pandemic started, I've really not used cash a lot because. I've been trying to avoid having cash on me. I'm trying to use my card where I can. I'll be honest, I've had the same tenor in my purse since about two weeks before this started. Yeah, yeah, I had that same realisation and I was like, you know what, I should probably make... Like, This is just a personal choice for me because I can afford to do so. I've made sure to have a little bit of cash on me in case I happen to see people in need so that I can, you know, have something on hand to give them. Yeah. Because I, you know, I, I, I had, a, I had a couple of tenors in me, uh, in me personally. I gave them to this particular person. It was just like, I stopped and had a chat for a bit, and realised that like, oh, this is a thing that is, you know, happening even less than it usually does. Like, no one is stopping to talk to homeless people right now no. or to look after them. And it's, you know, I feel, I feel like more now more than ever, we should probably, if you can afford to, if you've got the time or the the money to do so, you know, to to get your foot out and do it. Well, you can. Absolutely, absolutely, mate. Yeah. Uh, no. the, world, the world is a rough place sometimes. It is. It's a lot right now, and, you know, especially for, for certain sections of our society. Indeed, indeed. Oh, Where'd you love, mate? Where'd you love? I'm going to uh, pop the kettle on. I'm also going to go pop my kettle on. Nice, we'll have a cup of tea, mate. Yeah, separately have cups of tea. Yeah. So, Laura. Me? Youngst. Where can we find you on the internet, darling? Laura K. Buzz in all of the places. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter. Laura K. Buzz on Twitch. Uh, I'm there Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays from... Uh, 10 p.m. UK, 5 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Oh no, sorry, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Got them the wrong way around. Uh, uh, YouTube, I am uploading more content there. I'm currently trying to do like any time I do a written feature, I'm trying to do a video component for it as well. Uh, ones that we had up this week, we had Zelda enemies that that social distance. Uh, by the time this goes up, there should be a video about Beyond Good and Evil and the slightly depressing nature of its. Uh, optimistic look at government overthrowing, uh, which should be up by then. Uh, Patreon. Laura K. Buzz on Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can chuck me a dollar or more a month that uh, over there, that really helps. It's what makes my career possible. LauraKBuzz.com. Everything I post ends up there, be it written articles, freelance features, videos, podcasts, you name it, it ends up there. I do some freelance stuff for sci-fi. I did a thing about the old person's dating sim Later Daters that is mm. up uh, now that you can see on Sci-Fi Fangirls. Mm. I've got some books. There's Uncomfortable Labels, which is about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum, and it is available right now where books are sold. Mm. 
or as an audiobook on lauracabellstore.com. There's also Things I Learned from Mario's Butt. It's a silly illustrated coffee table book of video game character butt reviews with a bunch of developer interviews and guest segments from video game critics and it's a real good book. It got delayed to February 4th, 2021 because of the whole everything right now, but progress is happening on it. I got to see the full front and back cover uh, design today with like all the blurbs and the little pull quotes and the text that go on the back of the book. I know what the spine of the book looks like now. Ooh, look at me. Fancy schmance. And then I've got some podcasts, because I do too much fucking stuff. <laughs> um, Pixel Squirt is a podcast where I talk about video game character pornography with Mari and Stacy from Geek Remix. There is also Podposition, where we tell you whether your favourite video games are great or perfect. There is Dice Funk, where we play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, and soon season 7. Every season's a self-contained story, so you can jump into any particular season. We're currently doing a little mini-season where we're basically doing a Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, sort of detective courtroom drama, but with magic. Uh, it's called Guns, Puns and Justice, and we are in the midst of that. It's going to be like probably four or five episodes long. We're, you know, coming toward the end of it. Mm. If you want to have something... That's good if you want to have a, like, a, a more bite-sized taste of Will I Enjoy Dice Funk. It's like four or five episodes. That'll give you a good feel for it. <laughs> Also, I'm on another D&D podcast. Jane, I'm going to throw it over to you, because you DM that the thing. one. I have caught Polyarmory. <gasps> Polyarmory? Ah, yes. Ah! It's a 5th edition real, real play podcast. It's it's an evil campaign. Evil. Um, yeah, where you and uh, Becky and Nick and sometimes James do very morally questionable things in the pursuit of ultimate, probably good things for the world at large. But, but for your own benefits. It's very silly. I DM it. And um, yeah, I'm really hyped for people to catch up with it. Because we are recording many episodes in advance. Yeah, so we have many months of this show. We do. So don't worry. It's going to be sticking around for a while. The next episode of that should have been out the day before this episode of Quips Come Up came out. So yeah. Check that out on my feed. Uh, I am Maniac Janiac on Twitter and YouTube. That's where you'll find pretty much everything I do. Also, I have a Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Radio. For as little as a dollar a month, you can support me to make silly things. I would super appreciate it. Also, I'm trying to save up for BC. Thanks. Yeah. Because it's really difficult help, to do things Help, right Jane. Help me, please. Help. <laughs> uh, I also make t-shirts you can get one of my fantastic t-shirt designs over at janiac.redbubble.com that's J-A-N-E-I-A-C I think that's most of the important ones Stone Monkey Radio to blog sometimes I write things uh, yeah that's definitely all the important things uh, Laura sing us out darling well, until next time be a stranger <laughs> <laughs>